Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. So we've been going through the book of Colossians and just studying what God has for us. And I I love this book because it, it takes us really through, like, uh, uh, so much of the Christian faith and the Christian life kind of rolling uh, back the cover and kind of bringing us behind the scenes, uh, letting us know what's really going on. And so uh, we've talked about, our, you know, really the core belief of what it means to be a Christian. What does it mean to uh, give my life to Jesus? And then we talked about what's next. How do I grow spiritually? Am I just supposed to, is it just one moment of yes to Jesus and that's it? No, we're meant to grow in our spirit, and, and we've, we've talked about these over the last couple of weeks, and today as we get into Colossians chapter 3, uh, the word of the Lord is being heavenly minded. Let me hear you say heavenly minded. Yeah, we're going to be heavily, uh, heavenly minded, not heavenly. <laughs> oh, wrong word there, heavenly minded. Um, if you've got your Bibles or the Version Bible app, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church, and he says this. He says, since you have been raised with Christ. That's a good place to be, raised with Christ. If I'm raised with Christ, that means I was in a lower position before, and now Christ has raised me out of that lower position position. And he's, Paul is kind of reinforcing what he's taught us in the last two chapters, right? That we've been brought out of darkness, that we've been brought into Christ. We've been raised with Christ. He says, since that's happened, he says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So question, where, where is Christ today? Where is Jesus today? He's in heaven, right? He's in heaven. We're on the earth. So he says, I need you to set your heart on some things that are not where you are right now. Like you would set your DVR. When you set the DVR, you select the channel. You select the show you wanted to record. Like you, you have to be specific about what you want the DVR to record. Or it will just record nothing or just anything. Now, we have to, he says, set your heart. We've got to make sure my heart is set, not on things around me, but on where Christ is. I've got to set my heart towards heaven. And then he doubles down in the next verse, and he says it a little more plainly for those sitting in the back. Come on. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. So he's just getting a little more plain so that we, we understand clearly that he's talking about, hey, we've got to set our hearts, we've got to set our mind, our thoughts on things of heaven, not on the things of this earth. Now, does that mean I never think about things in my life? No, because we're people. We have to think about things. You, you know, we think about what we're going to eat for lunch or what we're going to eat for dinner. We think about the decisions we have to make or we think about where to invest our money or how to spend our time. We think about, you know, is this a good time to buy a house or what? Like we think about things of the earth like, like it's a given. We have to think about those things. But he says, I've got to set my heart. I've got to set my mind or my goals, my 
purpose, my fulfillment. I've got to set myself that the main focus of my life is not all the stuff of this earth, but it's something above, is heaven. So we are to be heavenly minded, heavenly focused, not just focused on this life. And by and large, people are living their lives focused on this life, everything that we can see. Did I get the right career? Did I have, do I have the right friends? Did I make enough money? Did I achieve the American dream? Were people nice to me? Did people like me? Did, did I do this? Did I do that? All that stuff is good. All that stuff is great. But listen, that is not the purpose of your life. One day, this physical body will die. The Bible says it's appointed unto every person that this physical body will die. But that is not the end of your existence. You are a three-part being. You got three fingers? Let me see your three fingers. Wave them at me so I know you're still awake. There you go. Three fingers. You are a three-part being. You, you have a, a soul. That is your mind, your emotions, your feelings. Some people say it's my heart. Well, I was, just, I was just following my heart. Please don't follow your heart. The Bible says your heart is deceitful above all else, and no man can know it. Like, don't follow your heart. <laughs> No, so, but we have a heart. We have a soul. But the real you is your spirit. That is the part of you that is either alive in Christ or dead in sin. So without Christ, your spirit is dead. That's why it's called being born again. Because your, your physical body is born into this world. But your spirit has to be made alive or born again into Christ. So that is the part of you, the spirit is the real you. And you live, the third part of you is you live in a physical body. So you have a soul, you are a spirit, you live in a physical body. But this physical body will wear out, one day it will die, it will return to dust. And when you do, that moment your physical body dies, your spirit slips out of your body and enters into eternity. And you will either spend eternity in heaven with God forever. It's based on each individual person's decision to receive Christ as their Savior on this earth. Everybody has that decision to make. Many people will receive Christ, and many people will reject Christ as their Savior. I want to do it myself. I want to do it my way. I'll pay for my own sins. And if you want to pay for your own sins, you can. Sin is paid for by death. And that's what happens when people reject Christ. Then when they step into eternity, they're paying for their own sins, separated from God in hell forever. But you don't have to pay your own sins. Jesus paid them all so that you could step into eternity with Jesus and enter into heaven with God forever. And what we have to realize is that life on this earth is so short. It's so short, y'all. I know it seems long because of our limited human thought process and existence. We feel like 70, 80, 90. My, my grandma Joy uh, lived to be 94, and praise the Lord. I want to, you know, I'm going to, I believe the Bible says he'll satisfy us with a long life, you know, but even if you live to 94 or 104, like, it's really not that long. I'm, I'm going to be 46 this year, and I feel like, man, looking back at just the years that I've lived, I'm like, Just like, like I feel like I was 25 yesterday, you know. Anybody else know what I'm talking about, you know? And those of you that are 20, you're like, what are you talking about? Like, one day it will set in and you'll be like, oh, yeah. 
But life is so short. Eternity never ends. Like, it's hard for our minds to even comprehend what that means. That eternity never ends. So once we live our years on this earth that we think is so long, that is really just a brief moment, then we step into eternity that has no end. So the majority of your existence is not spent on this earth. The majority of your existence happens when, when, when you leave this earth and you enter into eternity. The problem is, is that we're living like this is all that there is. Like this is the most important part that there is. And if I don't get everything that I need right now, then I'm just going to miss it. No, the reality is, is that we can make some decisions to live for then starting now. Jesus said it this way. He said, don't lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Because they'll, his moth will come in and, and eat it up. Rust will come in and destroy it. Thieves will break in and steal. Like, it's not going to last. So then, he, like, well, that's not very helpful. Thanks, Jesus. Like, now I'm really, like, that's kind of discouraging. Like, people are, are working themselves in, to the limits to get more stuff here on this earth. Just for it to pass away. Just for it to, you know, whatever. He said, so instead, live to lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust won't destroy, where thieves can't break into steel. So we can live in a way now to prepare for the eternity that one day we'll live in forever. Or we can live focused on just this brief moment here and everything will be wasted. And we're going to be heavenly minded. This is the reality that Paul is trying to teach us here. He says, you've got to set yourself. I've got to redirect myself. Self, be heavenly minded. This life is not the be-all, end-all. This life is not all that there is. And the good news is, is you get to choose the focus of your life. No one can make that decision for you. But here, it's just, it's an open book test. And Paul is telling us what God's will for our life is. He's telling us the best answer, like choose life. Choose to be heavenly minded. Choose to live for eternity right there. Like the decision that we make on this earth, like determines where we spend eternity. Right? That's the salvation. Whether we accept Jesus or reject him, it determines where we live in eternity. But the choice of how we live and what we live for determines how we spend eternity. Does that make? All right, I got one amen on that, but that's okay. I'm glad I got the right message today. Um, my, one of my uh, close friends and, and our overseer, uh, one of our overseers here, Marsha mentioned, uh, Pastor Devin Webb is coming to speak for us just two weeks. Uh, he said this, he said it like this to me one time, and he's, he's like, this is a principle of life. He says, what consumes your mind controls your life. And I had to ask him, like, tell me that again. What consumes your mind controls your life. So when fear about the economy this is consuming my mind. It will control my life. I won't be able to give like, I, like God is leading me. When, when fear about my health is consuming my mind, it will control my life. Whatever it is. So when, <laughs> when God's word consumes my mind. Whew, come on, are you all getting this today? It's not just a negative thing. 
Like this is, a, this is a principle that God put into the earth, just like seed time and harvest. What consumes my mind will control my life. So when the, when the word of God is, being, is consuming my mind and I, I'm thinking about it and I'm talking about it and I'm speaking about it, like it will begin to guide and control my life. When the peace of God is consuming my mind, it will guide and control my life. Like the things that we think on, that's why Paul is saying, set your heart, set your mind on heaven. Because when my mind is there, when that's consuming my mind, when that's consuming my focus, when it's consuming who I am, it will, eternity will direct my life. And I will live differently. I will live in the light of eternity because what I do here affects there. Like you can live for yourself. You can do it. Um, me and my wife were, were talking uh, yesterday. Um, there's a guy, his name is Bill Wilson. And uh, when I was growing up, my pastor, Billy, Pastor Billy Joe, used to bring him uh, to speak occasionally at, at our churches. And he was kind of a rough-sounding guy, gruff, like, he kind of talked like that. And he, like, it was, like, hard to listen to, you know. It was just like, ah, okay. He was a, you know, a great speaker. Um, he, his, his mom, when he was 12 years old, uh, left him outside of a restaurant and said, I'll be back for you. And three days later, she hadn't come back, and he was still standing there. And at, um, so there was a man that came by and, you know, gave him some food, sent him, helped get him at a, a Christian camp, and kind of was a father figure in his life as he grew up, but as he became a man, he found Jesus, got his life radically saved and transformed, and he felt a call to the ministry, but towards children. And so God called him to, he said, I don't want you to just, uh, I don't need you to go to a church and be a children's pastor at a church. I need to, I'm calling you to the mission field of Brooklyn, New York. And so God, he had some, some laughter, some of y'all are from there, and you know the mission field that's there. He moved there and started um, the largest uh, sidewalk Sunday school in the United States um, where he, at that time he was ministering to 20,000 kids every week on the sidewalks in different places of Brooklyn. And people didn't like it. He's, he was shot in the face, shot in the back, stabbed multiple times. Um, and now he's uh, older, 75 years old, and has been expanded his ministry to now uh, reaching about 200,000 kids every week all around the globe. Uh, his, he's currently in the Ukraine area bring, um, helping rescue children in that area, working underground. And he had made this post. I share this because he had made this post where he had as they were bringing these kids to safety, they had been bombed, and he had bandages on his face and was trying to cover it up, but you could see where uh, he had been injured and bleeding, and he's, he's saying, I, I cannot come home until I've rescued as many children as possible. He said, I always tell the people that work with me, like, get your boots on. Get your boots on, because this we're in a battle, and he said, and the moment that I choose to give up, the moment we choose to give up, the devil wins. Because eternity is in the balance. Why, why is this so important? Because eternity is in the balance. Not just for you. Yes, for you. But if, if it's all about you, it's not heavenly minded. It's you minded. It's earthly minded. 
if what dominates your thoughts is, a, is opinions and political theory and all that stuff, that's fine. But if that's consuming you, then that's controlling you. And it's you-minded. That's why our world is so broken and messed up, because the enemy has come in and brought pride, which is followed by deception, all based on you, how I feel and what I think. And here, God has called us to a different life, to be heavenly-minded, to think about eternity and the people every day that are stepping into eternity that God has called us to reach. Come on, this is what it's about. I love what it says, verse 2, in the message version of this. Uh, He says, don't just shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with all of the things right in front of you. Look up. Look at your neighbor and say, look up. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. This is so, this is the church today is just kind of going through the church motions, trying to be a better Christian, trying to do the things. And he says, look up. Look at Christ, what's happening around him. What is his priority? He says that is where the action is. See from his perspective. What if today we could get out of our own perspective and get a heavenly Christ-centered perspective? What was Christ's perspective? He stepped out of glory, left everything that he had to come to the earth, to be despised, to be rejected, to be beaten, to die a lonely, uh, embarrassing death on a cross to save you and me. That was Christ's perspective. So what is our response then? What should our perspective be? We might be despised by some people. Some people might not understand or agree with you. It's okay. Verse 3, he says, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. So listen, your life is not your own. So why is it so hard for us, like, then when God calls us to something, well, God, I mean, this is my life. I know, like, I know all the songs that are out there that are pounded into us, you know. It's my life. No, it's not. It's not. Every breath you have, you did nothing to get. (laughs) And for those of us who are in Christ, he says, like, what you were before, like, it's gone. The old man is gone, and we rejoice about that. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for anyone who is in Christ, the old is gone, the new is here. The new person is here. Like, we rejoice in that moment, but here he says, that man is gone. Your life is in Christ. Like, now our identity is in him. Like, we, we've got a new focus, a new spiritual perspective. By the way, this same perspective is how Jesus instructed his disciples on how to deal with trouble when they were overwhelmed by things. They didn't understand what was going on in their world. John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Now, this is John 14. This is literally hours before Jesus would be betrayed, taken away to the cross to, to die for the sins of humanity. And they've had the Last Supper. Uh, Jesus has told them what's about to happen. He said, uh, y'all are going to desert me. Y'all think you're my friends, but you're going to leave me. They're going to take me and kill me. And one of y'all just left to betray me. Like, and the disciple, like, this is a weird moment. Like, we think it's like the spiritual painting, you know, where it's like, but this had to be weird. Can you imagine this moment? Like, and just, just the awkward kind of tension. And so Jesus, in this moment, he's teaching them. He says, don't be afraid. 
Don't let your hearts be upset or anxious, troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, so look where he goes. Now, he said, don't, be, don't be anxious. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Where's he talking about? So in the, in the thought of, hey, I know you don't understand everything going on around you right now. Don't be anxious. Let's think on heaven. He says, and if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. That's a good promise to know. That once this life is done, we will be in eternity with Jesus forever. That's a good place to give God praise. We have hope in this life because our life is not wrapped up in this life. We have perspective beyond this moment. So how do we live this way? How do we set our heart? How do we set our minds on heaven? Well, that's a great question. Thanks for asking. Um, in the next few verses, uh, Paul gives us uh, many areas, six areas of our lives that we need to be heavenly minded to help us to set our hearts, set our minds. Hopefully you'll write some of these down. The first area to help us set our heart and set our minds up to be heavenly minded is in our desires. Our desires. Verse 5, he says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. This is, this is <laughs> severe language, isn't it? Put to death your earthly nature. Like, this is not doom and gloom. Don't, don't be worried. But he just says, put Put to death what, death what belongs to your earthly nature. And then he lists some things for us. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. So he's just, he's just trying to clarify things for us. Does that make sense? Right? He's trying to clarify the things for us, right? you got to remember the perspective. He says, set your heart, your mind, on things above, not on earthly things. And then he begins to tell us, so here's some desires that used to be part of your life that are earthly that, are, that should be gone now. He says, some things not to set your heart and your mind on. Right? We're shifting our desires because, like, the more that we know God and walk with him, then what naturally begins to happen is that I begin to desire more of who he is. I, what he wants becomes what I want. When my mind is set on eternity and heaven, then it's going to shift my desires. And some of you are like, Pastor, if I could have done away with those desires, I would have done it already. <laughs> you know, like, like I, I, I genuinely believe that most Christians, most people, like the problem is not with our desire to want to be free of things. But like actually walking it out, actually making the different decision, actually changing our desires is where we get stuck and have, and have issues. And like if, if, if I could just encourage you today, like it, you don't have to do it in your own strength. Paul isn't saying, well, if you're a good Christian, you'll do these things. No, that's called legalism. We talked about that last week. No, he's just saying, hey, we're going to set our focus. We're going to set our minds. We'll set our eyes on some different things. And he tells us this in verse 7. He says, you, you used to walk in these ways. This, this used to be who you were in the life you once lived. That's kind of crazy language, isn't it? Like you don't live the life you used to live. And he's not talking about the physical body. He's talking about in the spirit. Because now your spirit is what? Hidden with Christ. You're, you're this new person. So now in Christ, I have some new desires because my perspective has changed. I can see things from a spiritual perspective now. So I'm able to have my desires 
change. So the question really is, what part of me am I going to leave in charge? The physical body or the spirit? Right? Because the spirit is who I am. The spirit is what's living, so the spirit is going to be what drives the decisions. The spirit is going to be what determines the desires because the spirit can see things that the natural can't. My spirit can see things through faith that my soul can't. That's why your soul gets freaked out when the price of gas goes up. (laughs) For just being real, you know what I mean? Like our soul is so easily freaked out because our soul is the emotions. It's the desires. And we see something and we're like, oh, but I want that. But that's why we're changing our desires because that. It's not who I am. Who I am is in Christ. So now I'm seeing, I'm setting my heart. So when that desire is there, okay, I'm going to set my mind on heaven. Okay, I'm going to think about eternity. I'm going to think about the cross. and what you, like, like it's just that decision. You have the decision to make in that moment of what you're going to set your heart in your mind on in your desire. So here's the second area Paul says to be heavenly minded is in our emotions. Your emotions. Verse 8, he says, he gives us another list of things, right? He says, now, you, now rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Don't look at your spouse right now. Just, just, just tractor beam right here. Just let the Holy Spirit do the work, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's funny. I don't care what y'all say. Uh, listen, emotions are not of the devil. God created you. He said, you're fearfully, wonderfully made. You weren't made broken. You weren't made messed up. You weren't made with the wrong gender. You weren't made confused. You weren't made, no, you were made in the image of God. And God made you with emotions. Jesus felt emotions. So even having our emotions be expressed through our lives, like, listen, emotions are not a sin. Okay? Having emotions, feeling a certain kind of way, like, that's not the problem. The problem enters in. Sin enters in when we make decisions, when we choose a path based on the emotion rather than based on the spirit. Does that make sense? You're probably going to have moments where you feel anxious. David said, Lord, search me know my anxious thoughts. Philippians 4, don't be anxious about anything. Like, don't act and live in anxiety. Like, I'll feel it probably in a moment. But I'm going to choose through prayer and petition to give God thanks in everything so that I can enter into his peace that will pass my understanding and guard my heart. Like, emotions are, God made you with emotions. Like, it's okay to express emotions, but you just have to understand emotions are just, they're, they're, they're a response. They're not meant to be the decision makers. We're not meant to be led by how we feel. There's that old song, hooked on a feeling. Bum, bum, bum. I don't remember the rest of the words, but I can hear it in my head. Everybody probably all can, right? Like, I'm not going to live my life hooked on a feeling. I love to fish, and what you do is you throw a hook out there, which has a sharp pointy end, which is designed to catch the fish and not let it go so that I can pull it where I want it to go, out of the place where it's meant to be into somewhere else where it's going to struggle to breathe until I'm done taking my selfie so I can, right? 
when we live our life hooked on a feeling, it's pulling us out of the place you're meant to live. You're meant to live led by the Spirit. You're meant to live ruled by peace. You're meant to live in the presence of God. And when we allow our feelings to hook us and drag us around, it's going to pull you out of that place into a place you weren't designed to be, can't handle on your own, and feel like you can't breathe. This is our world right now. Listen, we've got to be heavenly minded in our emotions. They're not bad or evil, but it's what we choose to do with our feelings. Where feelings lead, immaturity is evident and will follow. But where choices lead, feelings will follow. Like you can lead your feelings. You can allow your spirit to lead you. As someone who has been raised in Christ, our perspective has changed. This world is not the be-all, end-all. So I don't have to be led by my feelings and my emotions. Here's the third area Paul tells us about to be heavenly minded in our words. He says, he gives us this list. Get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Proverbs 18.21 says it this way. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. So there's a creative force in the words that you say. Words are not flippant. Words are powerful. Life and death. There's not an in-between. So when you speak, you're creating life or you're bringing death. What are your words bringing? Our words were meant to glorify, to build up. Right? So I wrote down just a few areas of, of, of language probably that could fit under this filthy language category. <laughs> First one is, is clear. It's dirty language, filthy language, cursing. Come on, some of y'all came today. You, God wants to, like, surgically, like, remove that cusser out of you. You know, what about gossip? Inappropriate. Y'all know what I'm talking about, conversations, jokes, things like that. Listen, we got to, like... We've been raised into Christ, so some things are just, like, left in the dust. Another area, what about lying? Verse 9, look what he says. Do not lie to each other. He's talking to the church, y'all. <laughs> He's not talking to people who don't know God. He's talking about people who've been raised in Christ. They know Christ. He says, don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So here's this picture again, like the old self is gone. We've, we've taken it off like we would take a jacket off. We've taken it off with its practices. So don't lie to each other. Listen, I would even tell you spiritual growth in your life is directly attached to how honest you're willing to be in your life and with others. If you come into this place and you're always fake, spiritual growth will be very limited. Because growth doesn't happen when you're just comfortable and when you're never confronted. Growth happens when what's in you is confronted by truth and by the Spirit of God. And God brought us into relationship for that. That's why I love groups, small groups, because I, I can get to know you. We can get to know each other. Some of you are like, that's the scary part. <laughs> like, what if they know me? It's okay. No one's going to run you off because you, you got messed up places. Listen. All of us got messed up places. None of us is better than the other. That's why I believe the church is like a hospital. It's just some of us had more messed up places. Like I just, I must have needed to be in here longer than some. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm. That's just going to be our perspective. Is like we're just going to be there to encourage and lift each other up and to help each other as we studied last week grow into fullness in Christ. That's the motive. And if any, if you, like, that's why we never give people the evil eye about things. 
No, no, we're just here to, to build each other up, to hold each other accountable. The Holy Spirit then brings conviction, and we repent to the Father. And then James says, then we confess our sins to one another for healing. So if that is missing in your life, well, God knows I, I repented. Great. He's forgiven your sins, but you're missing half the process. So no wonder it's still struggle in your daily life because there's been no healing. All right, I got to get back on track. There's a study in 2016 uh, in the Nat- Nature Neuroscience Journal. Uh, a, a, a psychologist from Duke University contributed to this study, and the study was uh, studying the effects of lying on the brain. And it showed that lying, in effect, desensitizes a person's chemical makeup of their brain towards fear or getting caught and hurting others, causing that person to believe that a lie will benefit themselves and make it easier to repeat a lie or uh, expound on that lie down the road. In other words, the more lies that you tell leads to another lie and a bigger lie and a bigger lie. And you, like it seems, no wonder then people that live in a state of lying, how it seems real to them. Because the chemical makeup of their brain has shifted towards the deception. Not only that, he said this, the guy uh, from, uh, his name uh, is, is Dan Airely. He said, the dangerous thing about lying is people don't understand how the act changes us. Another study was done by the University of Chicago and, um, and, and showed a similar, similar process, that the more people lie, the more sensational they believe their lies be, can become and people won't realize. But it also showed the, the opposite is true, that the more honest and truthful people were, that it wasn't as awkward or as hard as people imagined. Sometimes we think that telling the truth is uh, living uh, without lies is going like, to be awkward or hard, but it's, it's just not true. This, this actual science study done by people who don't know the Lord have proven what God's word is true. The co-author of the study, Emma Levine, she said this. She said, people generally assume that others will negatively react towards their honesty. As a result, people assume that honest conversations will be personally distressing and harm their relationships. The reality Honesty is much more enjoyable and less harmful for relationships than people anticipate. Like, science just always proves God's word to be true, (laughs) you know. And listen, if you need help overcome lying, one of the best things that I know that I used in my life was just tell on yourself. Like, if you're talking to somebody and a lie slips out, just be like, I just lied to you. I'm so sorry. That wasn't true. You (laughs) you're going to stop lying real fast, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's just what you choose to focus on because when I live a life where I just tell a lie a lot because it's all about me, because of what I want to control and manipulate here, because my eyes, my mind, and my heart is set on this place. But when my eyes and my mind and my heart is set on heaven, like I don't need to control. I don't need to manipulate. God is in control. I've given him control. I've surrendered. So lying is the opposite of surrender. We're going to live lives of surrender. Here's the next one. We're going to live heavenly-minded in our character. In our character. Did you know that as we develop character, it's through the disciplines that we do in our lives, the things that we regularly do are developing character, and it's shown in our characteristics 
the things that we are known for. So whatever are the regular habits that you do, the daily disciplines, that is what's developing character in you. It's the characteristics then that you are known by. Look what Paul said in verse 12. This is still Colossians chapter 3. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people. I love that. Somebody needs to underline that. You've been chosen by God. As God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. You are loved. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Some characteristics. What are you known by? What do, when somebody mentions your name, do they like, oh. Or is it something else? Are you known by humility? Are you known by compassion? Are you known by something else? Interesting, this verse says nothing about being right. This verse says nothing about knowing at all, having all the answers. It has nothing to do with your perfect church attendance. Like, I hope you do have great church attendance. Like, I love being together with y'all, but just, listen, just understand, that's not the thing that's determining what God is doing in you. That's not determining if you're right with God. That's through Christ. What he says here, you know, he says, choose to put some characteristics in your life, some disciplines, some, some things that we need to live out. Compassion is something you have to make a choice to have compassion where you're moved to action to help people. Compassion is not the same as empathy. Empathy is like, oh, I feel bad for them. Compassion moves you to action to be an answer to the thing you felt empathy for. Right? We have to choose to put compassion, make it part of our everyday life. We have to choose kindness. <laughs> Get on social media for a few minutes and tell me you don't have to choose kindness. Like, we have to choose kindness. We have to choose humility. We have to choose to be gentle. We have to choose to be patient. Unfortunately, it's gotten to the place where people want to be right. But, Pastor, they're wrong, and I'm right. Listen, boo, I know, I know. I know you're, I know, we, we, we think we got it right, but listen, you're losing people. Let's not sacrifice people on the altar of being right or having our opinions be exalted. Let's just exalt Jesus because when he's lifted up, he will draw people to him. It's gotten to the place in our culture and even in the church as large. We are a little C church, part of the capital C church. Right, the capital C church is all the churches around the globe. We are one church that make up the church. Does that make sense? So I'm talking about the capital C church. and even, like, It's gotten to the place where what divides us has become what defines us. It's long past time for what unites us to be what describes us. What unites us is Jesus. Martin... Martin Luther King Jr. said the 11 o'clock hour on a Sunday morning had become in his day and time the most segregated hour of the week. What happens on Sunday morning at 11 a.m.? Church. Why is it that it's said about us? Listen, I'm just here to declare death to racism. Death to discrimination. Death to division in the church. So whether you're American, European, you have Hispanic heritage, African heritage, like whatever your skin color, red, yellow, black, white, yellow, pink, purple, brown, listen, it's okay. You're chosen by God and dearly loved, and you've been brought into the family. You belong. And it is what heaven will look like. 
The church is meant to bring heaven, a glimpse of heaven to earth. But how can we bring heaven to earth when we're earthly minded? When everything's about this and, uh, you know, no. We're going to be united under Christ as a church. We're going to be united under the mission, the great commission, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples of every nation. See, being consumed by our world just helps us to miss what's going on in his, in his kingdom. He says, look to Christ. That's where the action is. Let your focus be the kingdom of God. See, a kingdom is about a king, and the king is Jesus. And in a kingdom, it's all about what the king wills and what the king wants. And the king rules and decrees through his words. And God has given us his word. He's given us a commission. He's given us, say, bring my kingdom on this earth. We're going to be heavenly-minded, not earthly minded. The enemy wants to distract us. The devil wants to distract us with the temporal to keep us from focusing on the eternal because that's what really matters. Our differences, listen, are not detrimental. Our differences are necessary. So if the only people in your life look like you, that's a problem. That's what I love about this church. I love this church because it doesn't look like me. It shouldn't. You shouldn't only sit by people that you know. I know we want to hang out with our friends, but what if we got crazy in this place and we started sitting by some people we never talked to before? Whoo, come on. We want to talk about, like, let's stop throwing around the words of the, the cultural words like, oh, we love community. I mean, I do love community, but, but let's not just say it. Let's be it. Let's do it. Is this good today? Paul says you must clothe yourself. You're going to have to put some virtues on. So you're going to have to put some qualities that develop godly character on in your life. Just like your wardrobe when you got up this morning. I know you're looking fine today. Much like what you see right here, you know. You're looking good. Come on, tell your neighbor. Say you look good. Yeah, come on. And if they're single and you're single, Praise the Lord. And if you're married, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, tell them again, say you look good. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. We got, you, you put your wardrobe on this morning, you chose some things. You put some shoes and, and some pants and a, and a coat and a shirt. You put some things on, and that's the picture Paul has given us. Put on compassion. You've got to make the choice. I'm going to put it on. I'm going to put on kindness. I'm going to, I'm going to do these things in my life. Verse 13, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against, against someone, forgive as the Lord forgives you. Uh, we, we taught a, a series a few weeks ago on forgiveness, so I'm not going to spend too much time on that. He says, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Verse 14, and over all of these virtues, he says, Put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. So we get it out of order sometimes. See, this is where legalism creeps in. Well, didn't you hear all those things pastor said that's in the Bible that we're not supposed to do? And I got to be a better Christian, so I'm going to try to be more patient. I'm going to try to be a better, God, if, if I'm more gentle this week, maybe you'll be happy. Maybe you'll bless me more. And we slip in to this performance. We slip into I can do it. 
we slip into all this humanistic, legalistic mindset. Here's the answer. Over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So before I'm just going to try to be more patient or try to be more humble, I've got to put on love. Because love is everything. Love brings all the other pieces. How do we know this? I just feel to stop right here for a moment. Is that all right? Give me a few more minutes. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. What is love? What is this love here that he's talking about? If we put on love, what is it? Because sometimes we say these things because we're familiar. Oh, yeah, love, God's love. Uh, but, but what does it mean? It says this, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. So how do I know if I'm loving? Am I patient? Love is kind. Love, it does not envy. So he's just, he's telling us what love looks like, what love acts like, what love talks like, right? It does not envy. Love is not boastful. It's not conceited. It does not act improperly. Love is not selfish. It's not easily provoked. And love does not keep a record of wrong. Come on, husband. Come on, wife. You want to you wanna fight fair in your marriage? Keep no record of wrong. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. There's that word again right here. Bear with each other. That doesn't, you know, that... That, that looks like I'm patient with another's faults. That's what bearing with means. Like, a, like, a, like a, I put up with another's shortcomings. Like love puts up with some things that it shouldn't have to. It believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. One translation says love never ends. Come on. So we got to put on love. We've got to put on God's love. It's not just, oh, yeah, no, no. This is, we're going to have to make the choice. And listen, and when you make the choice, man, all the, all the things start to come into order. Come on, let's get to our feet today. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.